everyone, it's Clifford Eyes with Gershman Mortgage, and I'm here with Kyle Johnson with Gershman Mortgage. We're going to talk about the loan process a little bit, kind of, um, we're really going to focus today on uh, the pre-approval process and kind of the way we see it on our end a little bit and what we kind of get some noise from other people or people that don't really understand our process because it's extremely detailed and confusing for every deal, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Every, <laughs> every deal, deal is so different. You know, every everyone uh, kind of thinks that it's just uh, that simple. Oh, yeah. And it's not. Oh, no. no. Oh, no. It rarely is. It's a, rarely there's is. a twist on every single deal we try to do. Some of the... I was trying to think of uh, a twist uh, just out of the blue, but I have had people quit their jobs, oh, yes. which is very frustrating. Um, I had a guy, I told him you can't, he, I knew he was going to change jobs, you yeah. know, and I told him you can't quit your job until we, after we close, you know, and he, oh, no. uh, <laughs> I even told him a week ahead of time. And then what we did is we'd always do our job verification, Yep. you know, they had to extend the loan out a week ahead of time, and he thought because we'd already done our uh, verification that he could quit his job. But when we went to close the following Friday, we did the job verification again, and I had to call him and say, we can't close. You quit your job. And he didn't have a new job to replace oh, that no. job. And I didn't get to close the loan. But there's frustrating things oh, like yes. that we've dealt with. Oh, yes. Happens more than it should. Definitely Absolutely. does. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, one of the things... Um, the most important thing is the income. Yes. Oh, yes. We, um, the biggest part of the income is verifying a solid two-year work history. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And I feel like people that are at least self-employed, I feel like that's where, on my side of things at least, that's always a big hang-up when you tell someone they don't qualify for what they want because right. they make more, but they just, at the end of the day, don't show that right. money on their, their taxes their net income exactly but one of the things we are good about the company is helping a lot of self-employed people oh yes get approved where oh, a yes. lot of companies can't because we really dissect those taxes correctly and give them the right guidance yeah yeah because a lot of people a self-employed person normally we have to have two years of history mm -hmm. and uh, i've had success using one year when they've done the same business and a lot of people don't understand that. If we can justify the previous business, they've yeah. been doing something very similar, and we got a solid one-year history of their self-employment, and this income, net income, which we talk about, oh, yes. is the same as the other, we can generally go ahead and move forward. Oh, yeah. Where a lot of companies might not take that in consideration, might not. They want the forward. full two years. Yeah. yeah. But if we can yeah. make that, get the underwriter to accept our thoughts, right? <laughs> oh, yes, exactly. That's always the fun part. It is. But, you know, you're talking about self-employed people, and sometimes they don't understand business expenses that we treat their write-offs as business reoccurring business expenses. Yes. And that's why we use that net income, because most likely they're going to have these same charges, they have this large gross amount, but they have these same charges, and then we were using that net income, and that's a big issue uh, for people to understand. Oh, like, absolutely, absolutely. They're going, what? <laughs> you know? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I feel like I always have that self-employed person that thinks they need to qualify for more because they make more than 
right. what is showing and it's as you know and that's just not the case you have to use what's on the taxes at the end of the day and it's that's just the way it is but what's good is you know there's some things we put back as depreciation we put oh, back yes. um we can put some mileage back and stuff to help massage that a little bit so it looks better yeah yeah our um i used to do a lot of uh, truck drivers and uh it was tough. Oh yeah, I bet. Because they're all ten ninety nine, but it's actually been a blessing now. A lot of truck drivers are W two now. Yes, yes. And it makes it a lot easier for oh, us. Yes. Because when the you think about the miles that they write off and the pro uh, petroleum or the gas that they're using and stuff, it gets expensive oh, it gets... to run one of those rigs. Oh Really, yes. and the maintenance on those rigs can be, and oh. they're going to write that off to offset taxes. And oh, then, of course. Wow. Right. So of we course. It depends if you're self-employed or not. Um, if you're just a W two employee, you don't have to be on the same job for two years. Um, if you're self-employed, you have to at least be in the same line of work, same pay, or at least similar pay. Absolutely. Um, you can't have a big gap from one job to the other. Uh, if you go over six months, you're going to have to probably have six to 12-month work history again. And we're also going to have to go back and prove that you had a two-year work history. But you don't have to be with the same job. If you're benefiting yourself, you actually don't have to be in the same line of work. If you can justify uh, a benefit for yourself, you've got a pay raise, you might be a manager, or you might be maybe a little bit of something but it's most jobs are related, or you probably wouldn't move into it. Yeah. What about college but, students? Like, if you just graduated from college and you haven't had a job, how does qualifying for a loan work in that scenario? Well, if they graduated, that's the, and they graduated with their whatever job, you their know, if they're marketing or if they're sales or, or a biologist or whatever they're, and they're going into that field, we can use that um, as history. His that's their work history. Their graduation is their two-year or their four-year. We can use it as simple. We can use simple training, too. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of nurses will have a six-week, eight-week training. Well, that's we've been successful. Most nurses are working anyhow. They're working. So that might not be as good as example. Because <laughs> you know? most of them are working for the hospital already, and they have a work history, and then they go into their field as an RN or whatever, and yeah. we usually can push that through. But that history is so important. Oh, yeah. It is. And assuming, like, people assume they understand what's going on, but we have to analyze it. Oh, yes. We have to analyze it and put it in front of an underwriter and get them to accept it. Because every situation is different, isn't it? Oh, gosh, yes. Very different. Very it's, different. It's unreal how everybody's situation is a teeny bit that's where we're good at because we're still in business and we know how to take this information that people give us and make it work and that's so important to oh, be absolutely. able to do that um, and get everybody on the same page that it is a solid work history but a solid work history the income is so important oh absolutely because it's been since 2008 uh, it's been the biggest emphasis to make sure people can make their mortgage payments and the, the, that is the biggest change that I've seen since 2008 is that we were, I mean, it's just the way we even calculate income. You know, like for FHA or whatever their job is, like FHA, 
if you get a raise, we literally have to go back, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> we have to oh, go yes. back 12 months, even if they change jobs and they got a raise. We have to go back and get pay stubs for 12 months to average their hours to give them that raise. Exactly. And, and they've got to be averaging that. If they have a 12-month history at that job, it makes it so much easier for us because yeah. we can get that information. But it's a battle when they say they've been here for six months and they had another job for six months. We got to go back and prove that they work 40 hours or whatever it is, 32 oh, hours, and that's going to be our average. Exactly. And a lot of people don't realize they think that they make, you know, they make this much an hour and we should just be able to use that and pre approve them off that. But there's a lot of stuff on the back end of things that people just don't realize when it comes to some of these guidelines on each loan program. Well, like every program is a little bit different, and we try to fit that program for that client that we're yes, moving exactly. for. But like on a USDA loan, they they accept income that is a 12-month history. Yeah. A solid 12-month history. That's our average is based on their 12-month history. We can bleed into the other job, but we're still going to probably do that as an average. But if we don't have that 12 months, we don't have satisfactory. If it's only six months and, and it's totally job change, it's they're going to have to work. Oh, and oh yes. An example, um, maybe um, a commission salesperson. Yeah. You know, where it's all commission, it's not an hourly rate. Mm -hmm. that's, that's a big issue because we can go back. Uh, they've only been there six months. It's all commission. And then if we're trying to get them in a USDA loan, we got to have a 12-month history of that because before they were hourly and then we don't have. Completely different pay structure. And totally. Oh, yes. Oh, and, yes. And it's like you're back saying that the client thinks, well, I'm, I'm making a lot more money. But we still have to get it justified that we can use it. Yeah, yeah. With each program, it's totally different. Oh, yes, oh, yes. And I do feel like that's um, that's one thing that is really awesome with Gershman is I feel like everyone here knows that each loan program is slightly different. You have to calculate income a little differently. And so um, there's definitely a lot of guidelines you need to know in order <laughs> yes. to... Um, be able to calculate income and be able to pre-approve people. So there's well, a lot of homework. <laughs> there is a lot of homework. And the ability for us to know we have to go ask the questions. Oh. <laughs> I think that's probably one of the most important in our company is that we know, hey, this might be a problem. Yeah. We need to figure out before we give that approval. Yeah. And we go ask the questions, can I make this work? Yes. And the cool thing about it is we have underwriters we can go right to and sit down with them, and they can help us analyze it and see if we can use it and confirm that we can use it. Oh, yeah. Them. Oh, yeah. But if we're not asking questions, we're not going to be successful. Oh, yes. You know? Sometimes I feel like I might be a little annoying with the underwriters. <laughs> but it's important, you but, know, when you give that piece of paper out in the approval letter. We, oh, yeah. We want that loan to go through. We Absolutely. want them to be successful. And because uh, the one thing, um, the first thing I do is I get everybody's W-2s, I get their pay stubs, I get their solid work history, and I analyze. That's the, that's, to me, it's more important even than the FICO oh. scores because if we don't get this oh, money yes. done, that's the biggest part of the pre-approval process. Oh, yes. This, you know, the FICO scores are important, I granted, but... Uh, it's pretty much if you don't have the FICO score, oh, it's very, we gotta we gotta give you guidance to it, get there. But exactly. if you don't have the income, we're hosed. Oh yeah, there's no <laughs> way around that. You know, we can't get her done. So, but I guess we should talk about FICO scores a little bit on the pre-approval system. Yeah, 
you know? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Right now, I feel like um, the credit requirement is um, you definitely want a better credit score right now. It is. Just, um, and it's not even the interest rate, it's to get the rate. You want right. to see that that credit the, score as high as possible. Pack, as oh, yes. Possible. Oh, yes. I remember... Yeah. Was it last year or maybe the year before? I feel like, uh, I mean, me personally, I had a lot of files that were closing with like a 590 credit score, low 600s, and that was a very normal yeah, file can, for you me. You could push them through. Oh, yes, and now it's it's a little trickier. <laughs> it's a trickier because they're throwing points on them and stuff like that, and we we can get in points in a minute, but, but you're absolutely right on the credit scores. The better your credit score, the better it is. Absolutely. And then you can, you can tweak it real simple and... Before you have your credit pulled, make sure your credit, your loan to value, or your the usage of your credit on credit your credit cards, are. I always tell everybody twenty five percent. The whole marketplace says thirty percent. Yeah. But if you keep it at twenty five percent, my philosophy is, uh, if you get hit with a little bit of interest rate, it goes up to thirty percent. You're still getting the oh. benefit of being under thirty percent. Yeah. You know, um, but. The whole market says 30%, but in reality, on a what I've learned is over time on a credit card, you know, you get a benefit for being at 75% of your available line of credit. You get a benefit for staying at 50% of your available line of credit and 30%. And if you're trying to build your credit, you know, you want to be 30 or less. Oh, absolutely. And it's 25%. And you can literally monitor that yourself on um, Credit Karma. Yeah. Yeah. The FICO score on Credit Karma isn't as valuable to us as the use, the utilization that yeah. they print on there. Yeah. And it's a real benefit. Actually, when I'm working with clients, the first thing I ask them is, what's your utilization? This is where we want it. We want it 25 or below. And give you a prime example, I had a client, she got down to 40% utilization. She gained 25 points on her FICO score. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's and she, awesome. She was pumped. But it made a huge difference. She went from the mid 500s, and uh, we got to 620, and real. So it was pretty cool. She oh yeah, was pumped. You know, um, like people don't realize how how important credit cards are, or how crucial they are when it comes to that credit score. I have a philosophy: don't use your credit card as a loan. It That's is. It a was. Great one. <laughs> it was never designed for that. You know what I mean? That's a great one. <laughs> The idea is to give someone 21, 25% interest on that loan. Oh. I don't understand it. It was, it was meant for convenience. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't meant to be utilized as a loan. I literally believe, this is my personal opinion, you're better off to go to a title shop or uh, unsecured loan and get an unsecured loan if you need it because you're forced to pay that off with monthly payments. Yeah. We're on a credit card they just sneak up on oh. you right and they trick you oh, they trick you <laughs> they literally want you to make that long they want oh, you to yeah. chart max it out and they want you to pay them 20 to 30 percent you may you calculate it could be 30 percent. oh actually. absolutely and it's <laughs> insane and they have you they snag you and they oh yeah that and then thumb. you're stuck it's crazy you, know? you can it's a slippery slope it definitely is once you start getting up there with the credit cards it's yes. insane it's it's the craziest thing i've ever seen and um but we're taught to buy that's a sad thing yeah we are when we go to um we go to um 
Sorry, guys. People want me. <laughs> um, when we're kids, right, and we're watching cartoons, they're trying to sell us SpongeBob stuff or this or that or the newest uh, Razor oh, track. Yes. And they, as cons they start trying to make us consumers. Yeah. And think we need air. And they still do it, you know? Oh. Then when sure. you get bigger, you got the motorcycles and all those things. It just things gets more expensive as gets, you get older. And it gets more demanding on you to be resilient if you can. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. But, but if you can just to keep it around 25%, and I usually recommend that people just uh, pay it down, leave like five or 10 bucks when they're trying to build their FICO yep. scores, not pay it to a zero balance. And then there is some confusion to people, I believe, out there on um, going to a zero, zero balance, thinking yeah. that's a benefit, and it's not. You want something on there. You do. Something small just to report and show that you are, in fact, using that, and you want something to report every month. How many people call you and say, hey, I paid all these credit cards, oh, down, and their FICO scores dropped 20 points? All the time. It just it They never think fails. they've done something positive, Yep. and it's... Uh, I, Oh, Warren, a, a credit repair guy that I used to work with in our, uh, bless his heart, he's not with us anymore, but um, he always pointed out when you go to a zero balance on any loan, it you lose that history, he said. You lose a large percentage of that history because it's a zero balance now. Even if it's a credit card you've used for 25, 24 months, when you take it to zero balance some way in their system, you lose the record of this history and it immediately drops your scores. It can drop it. I've seen it drop 20, 30 points. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize it just took away the history like that. That's wild. Yeah, that's the that what happens to you. So it's better like if you you pay it down and you leave a little bit on it oh. and, you, and keep it just a little bit on it, uh, especially if you're looking to buy a mortgage and you want your FICO scores to be as high as they yeah. can. Don't pay them to the zero balance. <laughs> oh, yes. And closing accounts. That's another one that I, I have had people do a lot lately. I'm like, no, don't close them. Just, you don't have just to pay them down. Them. Exactly. Yeah. Just when you close them, you totally lose all the history. Oh, yes. And that all goes away. You don't just lose a percentage of it. And you don't have to close, you know, what was that? Uh, Legally Blonde, what was that? She put her credit card in the freezer and froze it. Do that. Stick it in the freezer, right? <laughs> yeah. But she did get on Best Eyes and took it out. <laughs> she used it. It really depends on what the car payment is. Um, I would say with buying a car, I absolutely would not finance a car through the dealership because when they run your credit, they send it out to multiple banks and you're having a lot of people pull your credit all at once. So your credit score is going to go down. So I would definitely go to um, wherever you bank and try to get a deal there. Exactly. It's a good idea because they're only going to pull it once. Exactly. Or if you're just testing the waters. Yeah. To see if you'd qualify. Exactly. If you go to the dealership, like you said, and I think when they pull it multiple times, they're pulling it for their benefit. Yeah. It's my personal thing. I can't prove that. But they're still trying to they're trying to get you the best deal, but I don't know. That's my question there. Are yeah. they, is it for their benefit or your benefit? I can't one way or another. But, you know, I've had clients tell them that they didn't want their credit pulled, right? And yeah. buying a car uh, one time. And... They pulled it anyhow. 
and they almost walked away from them and didn't buy the car because they were so upset. Wow. And they cooled them off somehow, and they went ahead and buy the car. But he said they pulled I told him I, I'm approved and everything, and some way in the paperwork that he signed that they went ahead and pulled it. I don't wow. know if it's signed for it or whatever, but, man, was he upset. Oh, but he did end up buying the car. But they had, and they, what, how many have you seen on the credit report pulled up? Oh, one? For one, just it's, for one hunt. It's a lot. I mean, it's. I've seen as, as many as 20 pulls. Oh, wow. But you, it's all three bureaus, but it yeah. still adds up. Every oh, one yeah. of them, so you'd figure, you know, that's like each bureau got pulled maybe seven times. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, I mean it's crazy. I mean, think of that seven credit pulls all at once. I mean that can that can hurt your credit quite a bit. It can, and that's where people get um, apprehensive about pulling, taking a hard hit. Yeah, you know when you pull, when a mortgage, you know if you pull have three mortgage companies pull your credit and they each have a hard hit, and if they pull them in the same thirty days, it really doesn't hurt your credit. Yeah, yeah. But when you go shop, that's the biggest thing is when you're shopping for a car that really can hurt your credit. Oh yes, oh but yes. It's, um, but the answer, kind of going along with Kyle said, we don't know, because we don't know their income. Yeah, exactly. It may not really hurt some person. Yeah, maybe you don't have any other debt. But if you're thinking about buying a mark, uh, going to buy a house, oh, and you think, I think the question is, <laughs> if you're thinking about buying a house and you're thinking about buying a car. My philosophy has been go buy the house first yes, and then buy the car because they're going to give you the car. And if you yep. feel like you and your family can qualify and pay all that, you know, get your house first, get that secured. As soon as you close on that, you can go buy the car. Exactly. That way you don't have that extra debt um, bringing so your debt to income. If, if it's going to be know. a factor, if you know it's going to be a factor. Or if you have a good loan officer, ask them. Get yeah. yourself pre-approved for a mortgage. And I come back and ask you, is this going to hurt me? Yeah. Uh, to yeah. get my house. And then we can give you the actual answer. Oh, definitely. We could, we could crunch the numbers for them and give them the guidance they need. Oh, That's, yeah. And maybe it's just giving someone, um, you know, you can afford a $400 car payment at this price range. That's a good idea. Something kind of like just that. Just keeps your DTI in line. Exactly. That yeah. way, maybe they can still buy the car, but um, definitely don't go to dealerships. Yes, exactly. And not lose the house. I would say as soon as possible. If you're thinking about buying, that way you have the time to get your credit in line if there are any issues, and that way you know everything's good up front. There's some um, history that most people are looking at um, buying a house 12 months out. That would make sense. Before they pull their trigger. You know, they're thinking about it. Yeah. They're thinking about it then. And I always recommend that, you know, if you're thinking about it, just go have someone pre-approve you, give you an idea what you're looking at and uh, definitely six months i believe ahead mm -hmm. of time um and you might pull the trigger right then or you know if you at least six months because we can make help you make some tweaks <laughs> exactly. to get the price range you want um one of the things i've always tried to encourage people is not to start looking at homes until you get pre-approved <laughs> it's right? a big thing oh yes because of the fact that a ten thousand dollar and twenty thousand dollars. If you're looking twenty or thirty thousand dollars above what you are approved for, you're going to be a little disappointed. Oh yes. <laughs> so, and I used to say ten thousand, but it can be. Um, it's a big jump anymore. 
but I've always tried to encourage people to get pre-approved as soon as possible. Get yourself some guidance. Um, I know it's a hard hit, but if you're doing consistently the same, paying your bills on time and everything, it's not going to hurt your FICO yeah. scores. Um, Credit Carmel show that it drops, you know, maybe six or seven points, but people don't understand that Credit Karma is on, just on a six-day cycle, yeah. and that's why you have this huge fluctuation consistently, and it's only looking at, like, your six days of history. It's not looking at your life history or 24 yeah. months of history that we're looking at, and that's where this whole hard-hit thing has been a lot of confusing to people, but nice. I think the car thing that we were talking about being cautious on letting dealerships pull your credit that many times. Oh, yes. That's, that's important for oh, folks to know. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I think um, Warren, the, our old credit repair guy we used to work with, um, he used to tell me that really a hard inquiry, if it's just one, it's really only a couple of points that it affects, right. and it just, it'll go right back up in, I think he said, 30 days. Yeah, if you're doing your due diligence, so, paying your bills um, on time, keeping your credit cards down and everything. So if you are looking to buy a house, I mean, a couple of points just to make sure everything's good. I feel like it's very worth doing and making sure you're on the right path. Credit is all about discipline, right? Oh, yes. It's really about discipline. And I try to encourage people on their credit cards to, whenever a company offers to extend the credit limit, to go ahead and get it. You know? And I know we don't trust ourselves sometimes because we're doing that. But if you can use your credit cards just for your normal or everyday spending, mm-hmm. uh, buying your groceries and paying it off, paying it back down every month, using one for gas, and staying in that 25% range, it's going to be really benefit for your FICO scores. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, but uh, go ahead and take that extension and be disciplined, I think. is. But it's hard to be disciplined. Yes. Because yes. your kids want something, or you need, or you feel you've got to have it, you know. Oh and, yes, and oh, it's, yes. it's hard to do. And it does if you do get the, um, you're able to get a higher increase on your credit. Um, that does raise your credit score as well because you have a lower utilization on your credit card from there. I actually charge everything on my credit cards. Do you? I do, and I kept charging kept asking for uh, extended credit to stay under that 30%, 25% range. Um, when I first started paying everything on my credit cards, I was at 50%, and I just kept getting them. But I do that for points. Oh, yeah. You get the points yeah. and stuff, and it's just easier to make one payment than I think a credit card's safer than a debit card is my personal opinion because I've had my credit card numbers stolen a couple of times, and uh, I just called him and said, hey, this isn't me. I'm not in New York, and I didn't do Uber. And this yeah. literally happened. It was $240. And for an Uber? An Holy Uber cow. in New York <laughs> on my credit card. <laughs> I called him. I said, hey, this isn't me. I've never been to New York, <laughs> you know? And they jumped on it, right? They stopped my card. They sent me a brand-new card the next day, and we they sent me a report. I signed it, and they took care of it and twice. Had a... What's it, Wayfair or whatever? Oh, yeah. $4,500. Boom, boom, that fast. Whoa. And I got a text, is this you? And I said, stop. But that's the credit. Wayfair actually sent me that. Is this? Oh. But I'd only shop on that. Oh. And I've never bought. My wife and I, neither one of us have ever bought anything on that. And uh, huh. they, they stopped it immediately and did the same procedure. So, But we're like a debit card. You're taking the risk of them holding your money for 
Mm-hmm. Most generally, most companies don't, but some banks will hold your money until they sort it out and then give you your money back. Yeah. And where a credit card won't do that. You yeah. have that insurance that they're not going to do that. If you stay on top of it and pay attention to exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> right? Exactly. Like a lot of people don't um, don't really watch it like they should, and they just they'll swipe it here, swipe it there, and it just kind of... Are we about done? Is that what you're saying? Or what are you saying? <laughs> How many minutes has it been? Has it really? Hey, guys, this has been fun. <laughs> Kyle and I could talk all day. We know this business. We've been doing this for a while. We have good things to tell everybody. How oh, long yes. do you want us to go? Should we wrap it up? How much you got left on your sheet? We, don't, we aren't even looking at the sheet. <laughs> we just keep bantering back and forth, and you keep asking us questions. So. Anything else you want to touch on as far as the pre-approval goes? <sighs> do you have anything? Well, the most thing in... Kyle and I both know this for sure, is that each individual is different, and each individual situation is unique. Yeah. It's literally unique, and we literally got to look at each individual. You can't assume, um, if you're new to getting pre-approved, what your coworker is telling you they went through is not possibly what you're going to go through because of the different, Mm -hmm. your credit's a little bit different, your bills are different, you're paid different, everybody's paid different. Um, you would think everybody was paid the same, you know, 40 hour got 12 hour, but you know, one person's getting incentive. Uh, uh, I know people at a certain company, most of their pay comes from incentive, and that's their con- considered pay. They get an hourly rate and incentive, and they even when they fill out the uh, VOE, they say it's that's their pay. So we can use that. But we've done our due diligence and understand that's going to be a consistent amount of money where overtime is totally treated different, you know. And we've already talked about the confusion with self-employed people and giving them the right guidance. So that's the biggest thing. Yeah. On our, I think that's the biggest thing we wanted to bring out today. There's differences for each person. Yes. Being their, their work history, being their credit history. And, but one of the things I think, um, we do, and you've heard him talk about credit and stuff. We give people guidance. We don't just say, no, you can't get approved. We're going to give you, that's why we encourage people to start looking six months ahead of time. Absolutely. And make sure it all looks good. Yeah, it's Our, very rarely just a no. Right. It's always, 99% of the time, it's, you don't qualify at this time, but if you do this, this, and this, we're going we to make, can, it, exactly. gonna make it work. And exactly. if you listen to us. Though. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So um, it's definitely important to, if you are wanting to buy a house, reach out and um, reach out to a lender that um, you guys trust. Because again, it is case, case to case. It's very different for each person. And uh, you want to make sure you have a lender that's looking at your specific scenario and trying to make sure you're in the best financial situation. Absolutely. And giving you the best advice they can give you. Yeah. And guide you and hang with you. Give you that guidance and be there when you're ready to move forward. You yeah. Know? Oh, yes. That's so important. I think that's the most important. Everything's a little bit different for each person. And we're here to help you out. Absolutely. And get you through it, right, Kyle? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Nice job, bud. Oh, yeah. He killed it. <laughs> I think that's it, right? Yep. Yep. We're good, guys. Appreciate you. If you want some great guidance, yeah. If you want some great guidance, get a hold of Kyle and I and we'll take good care of you. Thanks, guys.